we're in. So it's been it's been a, a while since I've uploaded, to be honest with you. I've had a few things going on at work personally, and then um, I've just taken my holiday to come out and see you mm. in Thailand, where you are currently living. So I'm joined with my guest Minish. Uh, me and Minish go back, go back to secondary school. Mm. So yeah, it's been quite a few years, and I thought I'd come out here because you're working, you're working remotely, right? Remote, yeah, fully remote. Um, and I thought I'd come out. You were you were saying beforehand, you're going to be working. So as long as like I'm cool with just coming doing my own thing, and then mm. whatever at night or whenever we can just chill hang out and i thought for me perfect because i wanted to just do this muay thai thing mm. um and that's what i did i mean i've just about finished it and the two weeks have gone so so fast uh literally i'm flying back tomorrow and we're finally getting around to recording this podcast so mm. first off thank you for having me love it man and i've had a sick time i've had a sick time and i think more so I've recognized just how warm the people are in mm. Thailand. Mm. Like everything when I'm when I'm in the UK, I now I'm understanding, I'm realizing I just didn't have that connection, which since I've been here I felt mm. everyone is very, very warm, very friendly. Yeah. friendly. Yeah. How did you end up coming out here? <clears throat> so for me, um, so I work fully remote. <clears throat> when I got this job, I was in London. And one big issue of mine was that I wanted to be more client facing, see clients, etc. Yeah. My CEO was, uh, he was a bit reserved about this idea because uh, as a trader, it's if you're going to go see clients, etc. His biggest worry was you're going to get poached, right? And he didn't want me getting poached. But uh, I told him, look, really a big part of our business is finding these clients because we're international and all of these clients are across the world. <clears throat> so I asked him, look, let me start traveling, just see where we go. We already have some clients. Uh, let me go say hi to them, etc." Uh, we had one client, it's quite interesting, uh, the story with these guys, we had one major client in Thailand, really big client. Yeah. And uh, when we initially started with these guys, so now I'm currently in London, uh, we, we messed up. We had a big issue. <clears throat> And we, we didn't spot the issue early on. And the, the people running this company are all ex-traders, private equity, investment bankers. They're very brute people, right? They don't really tolerate nonsense. If you make a mistake, they're very cut for it, very, very cut for it. Yeah. And I remember they basically told us to go away. We managed to close this big client and we had a mistake where <clears throat> we, <clears throat> we weren't placing orders. So we trade on their exchange. And they noticed it on their side. We didn't notice it on ours. It was a, a very small mistake in hindsight. And they didn't speak to us for six, seven months. And to us, that's big because we just wanted to get this client, etc. So I remember uh, one of my colleagues, really good guy, uh, big love for this guy. And uh, he kept trying and trying and trying, kept messaging them nonstop, really pushed for it. I was really inspired by it, actually. And Eventually, he managed to break through and get a response. And that response led to <clears throat> uh, us reigniting the conversation. And we just went to them and said, look, 
we made an earnest mistake. It's fine yeah. to make those mistakes. We didn't mean to. And at the time, I was actually going to Singapore to see some clients, investors, see my colleagues. My first time going to Southeast Asia. And since these guys were based in Thailand, I said, cool, let me go say hi to them. Great. And uh, that's really that's really where it, where it was started. And I'll tell you what happened and, and what, what <laughs> made me stay around. <clears throat> so uh, I messaged this client saying, okay, I'm in Thailand. Like, where are we? Well, we were supposed to have like a, a face-to-face meetup, like a, a small meeting just to talk about. It was starting to flake a little bit as no, you came out. Well, no, no, no. So, so everything was good, but we, we wanted to speak in person to just talk about business and just touch base. And they gave me an address to go to. And <clears throat> I remember when I went to this address, there was no offices. There was no like buildings. It was just mansions. The whole, <laughs> the whole road was just laced with mansions. And I, I, at first I was like, you know, where am I? Maybe I'm in the wrong place. And uh, I saw their logo in the front. So I'm like, oh, like this has to be their place. So I knock on the door and I'm like, hey, I'm Inesh. I came to meet person X, person Y. And I walk into this huge, there was a fish tank size of my room. And I was just in awe. I was really in shock. And I didn't know that this was the kind of caliber of this client. And look, long story short, I remember leaving that place um, with my knee shaking in 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 the Uber, in the Grab on the way home. And that really happens. That only happens when I really say to myself, like, what just happened? Yeah. And it was fantastic. It was really good. Uh, it was a great meeting. And uh, it got to a point where I actually went back the next day, say hi again, because why not? Like, they, they really liked me on day one and they, they wanted to talk some more. And I was quite lucky because the next day I went, a lot of the co-founders were there, right? Like the people who ran the company. And we just started talking and... Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but they had like a Thai barbecue in their kitchen, big kitchen. And they invited me to stay. And it was very, it was very uh, like homey, like it was very friendly. They, they treated me like family. It was my first time seeing them. And they told me, come back tomorrow because they're celebrating the anniversary. And I said, guys, my flight is tomorrow. And we were drinking. I was a bit drunk. And I said, I can't do that. And so I said my goodbyes and I got back to my hotel and I went to the reception. And I said, hey, excuse me. How much would it cost to extend for five more days? <laughs> and I canceled my flight. Luckily, it was only a couple hundred bucks. And in hindsight, it was the best 200 bucks I've ever spent in my life because I went back the next day and I just, I got to meet all the founders, the team. And it wasn't like a business convo. Yeah. This was pure friendly conversation. And I'm not going to go into too much detail of like the businesses they run and the people who they are. But for someone like me to come over across the world and speak to the caliber of of these people, it, it, it was it was crazy. It was an opportunity I never thought I'd had. I think the nature of your of your business, mm. when you find a client of that caliber, and you have the opportunity <clears throat> to actually meet them in person, make an impression, correct, and hopefully win their business, that's then the opportunity to just go all in. Correct, you can't, you can't miss that. Correct, correct, you can't miss that at all. Correct, that's I, very interesting. And and that's something I've now learned in hindsight. Remember, this was when. I was first starting to see clients because before I was just trading at home in my, in my bedroom, right? I was just trading, didn't really speak to clients. Wait, wait, so let's start with that. So okay. you're a you're a bookmaker for cryptocurrencies. Yeah, so specifically I'm a market maker. Okay. So uh, I'm head of trading, uh, uh, really we're a technology company. Uh, so we, we make markets for clients. So market making is essentially you provide liquidity. Mm-hmm. Let's say for example, I don't know, this iPhone, right? Let's say it cost a grand. 
if you wanted to buy an iPhone or maybe something else, you, t- you probably wouldn't pay a grand. Maybe you'd bid like 900 pounds. You don't want to pay market price. Yeah. Uh, let's say you wanted to buy it off someone, but that someone wanting to sell it to you wants to sell it for 1.1K. So there's a 200 pound spread, right? The bid price is 900. The ask is 1.1K. 200 pound spread. Yeah. As a, the, the role of a market maker is to tighten that spread is to make it a lot tighter. Let's say, for example, £950 bid to £1,050 ask. And um, you may ask, okay, what's the benefit of this? The benefit is you get people trading your market. A lot of these cryptocurrencies are quite illiquid and you get really wide spreads. So naturally, as a retail trader, you don't really want to be buying these tokens because they're really wide. So we come in and a service we provide is we, we tighten those markets and encourage organic trading. Got you. Okay, so... If we rewind a bit, you've studied chemical engineering. Mm-hmm. How have you decided after chemical engineering, now you know what I'm going to go into trading? That's a really good question. So when I went into university, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. My A-levels were maths, physics, chemistry. So, And at the time, I really was a fan of mine, my maths teacher. And I asked him, hey, what should I do as a degree? And he said, Minash, you should go into chemical engineering. It's no surprise because he had a PhD in chemical engineering. So he was like, yeah, just go into it. So I went in, no expectation. And naturally, whatever degree you go into, you tend to skew towards that industry. So I wanted to be maybe a process engineer or just an engineer in general. Hmm. However, there was two events that caused me to lead into trading. I remember them vividly. Firstly was they brought in a few chemical engineers uh, to give like a, a presentation. I was, and, and there's no disrespect here, right? Everyone to their own. As in like what to do after you get your yeah, yeah. getting into the industry. I have friends who are process engineers, etc., who love it. They're really smart people, really good at their job. But for me, it, it wasn't it. Those people came in and I was so uninspired. I, I, really, ah. I really said to myself, I can't see myself doing what they're doing. I cannot. I just cannot. Does it end up being something you do where you only start seeing money after, I don't know, eight to 10 years. And then before you know it, it's a 20, yeah. 20 year career. And then it's like, it, it, it's, a, anything else. It's, it's a good point because when you're first trying to look for jobs, you're not necessarily thinking of big money or at least your perception of big money is, is very different. The older you get, look, we're 25, 26 now. So we, we have a very different view of money compared to uh, uni. But um, I, I wasn't really thinking of the money then. I was thinking of enjoying what I did. So, yeah, the, the, the second part on how I got into trading was um, I had a few friends who used to come chill at my place uh, in London. And one time a friend was outside, I think we were going somewhere, and he was trading foreign exchange on his phone. Now, trading Forex is very popular. You see it all over Instagram. People selling like uh, Forex courses and how oh. to trade, etc. And I had no idea what it was. And I, I just saw it on his phone and I was like, that's cool, man. What, what are you doing? And he said, this is Forex trading. He showed me his account. He showed me his balance. And he showed me some trades he was in. Now, in hindsight, this guy had no clue of risk management, which is fine. When you, you when never you, do when you start getting uh, You never do. And, it, you know, sometimes you win big, sometimes you lose big. But at the time, he was winning big. And I saw his PL. It was in big blue numbers. And it wasn't crazy amounts, but it wasn't like the 500, 600, which is a big amount when you're, you know, 18, 19, 20. And, uh, I was just hooked. I said, this is amazing. So I started my journey in foreign exchange and I fell in love with it. I, I Just on a personal account? 
personal account and I, I'm a bit of an idiot because I never went to a demo account. I put live money instantly. 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 And I sort of did the same. Yeah. And it's way back in the day. You're, you're, you're always going to lose money. Yeah. And I, I feel like the reason I'm so proud, uh, like what I do today is because I lost money for two years straight. Just lost, lost. I kept funding, losing, funding, losing. In total, it was maybe 2K. Not the, the biggest sum of money in the world, but at the time, it's like I was on student yeah, loan. Yeah, yeah. I had no money. That was all the money I had. And it's like, um, I, I told myself, I said, look, if I could truly make money from this one day, it would be the proudest moment of my life. And I kept reading books, etc. Naturally, many times you want to quit. Um, but it so got- you weren't just trading off nothing. You just see the numbers going up and down. You're trading um, or are you actually doing research behind it? Are you? So Some sort of strategy. Typically, when you start trading, you always go to technical indicators. And technical indicators can be a variety of things. The most common is a moving average, which takes, for example, the average of the last 50 closing uh, prices for each day. And you can use different things, etc. I based it on technical indicators. In hindsight, I don't use right now, I don't use technical indicators at all because they're lagging and they're, they're not necessarily incredibly useful, maybe to gauge what's happening in the market, but not to produce signals. Could it um, be useful for certain um, commodities you're trading, maybe? There's yeah, more of a pattern with that. Technical whereas... indicators are useful depending on how you use them, right? If you just want to understand what's happening currently in the market, they're useful. If you're trying to generate signals or base a trade off them, purely off them, it's, it's a lot more difficult. It's very, very hard to do it. We can get onto that more why later, but really, uh, that's what I was basing on technical indicators, very basic stuff. And I just kept losing money and losing and losing. And uh, I remember one day, uh, this is, this is interesting. I, I was telling my CEO this, uh, there's something called a whipsaw that happens in the markets. And typically after a big news announcement, Price goes up, maybe let's say 10%, it comes off 10%. Yeah. So it goes up, down, back to where it started. I remember one day before uni, it was 9am and there was an NFP, a non-farm payroll. Um, and I remember I put uh, a sell limit order and a buy limit. I didn't know which direction it was going, but I, so that, that, that form of trade is, uh, it's called a, like a straddle trade where you're betting on the volatility, right? Mm. You don't know which direction is going, but you have orders on either side to capture that volatility. And what ended up happening to me was I got whipsawed. My sell limit got triggered, liquidated. Price came all the way down. My buy limit got triggered, liquidated, no. came all the way back up to break even. And I remember it was only like 200 pounds. But to me, that was that was all the money I had at the time. It was everything I had. And I said, wow, I really wanted those new pair of shoes. Or... But that was the first event to me where I put my head in my hands and said, like, what am I doing? I need to really, really fix up. But yeah, interesting journey, very interesting. So from your own personal account, when did you decide, okay, I need to actually join a trading company and, and maybe learn from people who are more experienced? In yeah, really good question. So actually, uh, before I made the decision to join a trading company, the reason I took that step is because one summer, uh, I took $500 and I found a very niche edge on a, on a very illiquid crypto exchange. And I ended up turning that $500 into about seven, $800 over the course of two months. Now you may be saying that's not a lot. It's a very small amount. But you didn't lose. No. So the important thing is it's the absolute return. It was a 50% increase over two months. It was a, maybe a couple hundred trades. It's not about how much money you made in that time. The reason that, that, 
The reason that was such an important step for me is because I had learned emotional control, which is everything in trading. Your biggest enemy in trading is your head. It's all psychological. People put too much attention to numbers and whatnot, but really a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the reason people lose money is their emotional control. And to me, I proved to myself that I was able to stick to a strategy mm-hmm. very clearly and I wouldn't get swayed and take big risk. This is what ends up happening with a lot of new traders and why they lose money. What happens is they have a trade, they make money. They do another trade, they make money. And this is all luck. Let's just, this is all luck. Cause when you're new in trading, you know nothing. And they, they have a series of trades where they're successful. You always will get that, right? A winning streak. And then on the fifth trade, right? They end up getting so arrogant and say, I'm the best at what I do. And they end up tripling down on their position and lose it yeah. all. And this is the same story I've heard with everyone. So after I made that a uh, few hundred dollars, I told myself like, I've learned something here and I started applying for internships and that's where I found this uh, company that created oil derivatives and their first ever internship I managed to get in. I was very, very lucky. And I remember saying in my interview, I told him that same example I told you now and said, look, I think it's time for me to translate this to an actual role and learn how to actually trade. To, to actually break in and get that role on the internship, what are those companies looking for do they want some sort of track record where you've done it yourself and you've proven it which is how you Mm. got in or is it based on a degree you've got or some sort i'm going to be honest with you the only thing and i can say this for a fact the reason they hired me is because i was interested in trading just your hustle i they saw my passion when we talked about trading i wouldn't stop i could clearly outline how i view trading What's my thoughts on it? We didn't even talk about trades. Maybe they asked me, what's the price of this benchmark of oil, etc. Like Brent, you know, WTI. Yeah. But really, the reason they hired me is because they saw this kid is interested in trading. You have to remember, people think traders are geniuses. And, and look, for, for a lot of the part it is, you get a lot of these quant traders that go really, um, like all these top universities and whatnot. But trading as a whole, you don't need to be incredibly smart. It's very teachable. It's very, very teachable. So the reason it's so important to find someone who's interested in trading is because they won't quit. The biggest issue with these companies when they hire new traders is the traders quit because it's too difficult. Yeah. And uh, as, as juniors, when you're new into trade, trading at home is different to trading at a company. When you enter a company, it's different. Company. When you say difficult, do you mean pressure-wise as well? Pressure, yeah. Because yeah. You're, you're dealing with other people's money. That's the biggest pressure. Okay. And it's not a couple hundred bucks trade. You're dealing with tens to hundreds to millions of dollars. And that's where the pressure comes from. It's very cutthroat. It's very brutal. And unless you really have an interest in trading and care and understand how to, you know, learn from your mistakes, etc., you're not going to do very well. And they saw that from me early, that I was genuinely interested in trading. It's all I would talk about. All I, I still do it to this day. Trading is all I talk about, right? I see, I see where you are now. And even listening into one of your calls recently, <clears throat> I can see the level of confidence you've got. And we were discussing separately. We were saying you've got to put in your years of service, get mm. in your whatever you want to call it, 10,000 hours. Yeah. And this seems to have been your training ground. Those That internship, and did you convert that onto a full-time role? Yeah. So it's interesting. So uh, I got the internship. 
And it was the toughest two months of my life. It, you know, I've always said this, it wasn't really an internship. It was just a test for a full-time role. Yeah. I know internships are generally that, but they treated you like a full-time employee. I'm and not going to go into the Subtly low-key it is, can this guy join us full-time? Correct, yeah. And especially because they're a startup, right? These guys are very cutthroat. They've come into a lot of, they've made a lot of money and now they're looking to hire more aggressively and they want to apply internships. It was new to them. It was very tough. Um, I um, Maybe we can go into detail about how, how, how it was, but let's just put it like this. There were some days I just, I just wanted to literally cry. It was so difficult to deal with that level of pressure when your seniors are, are yelling at you at the top of their voice and everyone's staring at you on the floor saying, what the hell is going on? The CEO is right there. I actually learned in hindsight, it's why they hired me because I didn't quit and I took the beating, etc. They hired me for the full-time role and I ended up starting off on a really bad foot that I couldn't recover from. And typically... Or in bad trade. No, it wasn't about you. So at these companies, you're not trading that early on. Typically, you start trading six to eight months later. Really, you're doing a lot of like the blottering, which you're entering trades for the seniors. But I was on a bad foot because, again, I was, I was quite arrogant at the time. I just left uni. I said to myself, look at me. I got this amazing job. Look at how much I'm earning, etc." I got quite arrogant and I realized I wasn't cut for that job, which was very painful because I've always wanted to be a trader. And so fast forward two months, four months in total, I got fired. I came into work one day, I got a phone call from HR and he called me in and said, look, Manish, it's not working out. And at this time I was doing about 18 hours a day. So my day went from, and I was living in a hostel down the road, right? Very tough. And my day, my, my life suddenly flipped and suddenly I had no job, all this free time. And I was just panicking. I was panicking because my first job I got fired from, I was thinking no one's going to hire me. This is my trading career over. Obviously now, as we grow up, it means nothing. Probably my proudest moment being fired, you know. But back then when you're living in your in, in your head, it was the hardest thing ever. You're spending 18 hours a day correct. at this craft and then four months in. I mean, I always think the first 12 months should be make as many mistakes as you can yes. and learn from it. Correct. I think it's very harsh to to fire someone so early on i don't blame them I, I don't blame them because now i'm in my position where i'm hiring juniors and I, i'm conducting interviews i share their pains mm -hmm. right it's like I, I i really do understand maybe it was a bit harsh and they know this definitely after they fired me they had to talk to their traders and be like this is not how you train juniors i was i don't say unlucky but i got put on a desk where juniors should not have been put there was just, remember there are startup, when people go on holiday, you need to be on. It was very bad timing. In fact, the reason it was so hard is because my first week on desk, when you're a, an intern, you're only supposed to do an hour a day. One of the seniors came into our intern room and said, I need someone to do the whole day, seven days this week, five days, sorry, every day. And we were only doing an hour a day. Imagine going from that to do full day. You're, you're the role of... uh you're running, you're help running the book for these guys as a junior. You're blocking trades and I know nothing. So you can imagine how incredibly hard it was. And to, to add fuel to the fire, um, I remember a hurricane just hit the, the Gulf coast of the US and this desk was trading gasoline. And, and when that happens, you get a lot of issues with refineries shutting down. And so the prices of, of these, of these, uh, of, of gasoline and, and all these spreads were going crazy. It was a manic week, manic week to the, so much so it's to the point where you shouldn't have a junior on desk. You cannot, right? It's too risky. And that's why they hired me is because I didn't quit. 
it was that tough and uh, I, I didn't quit. I ended up getting fired, which is fine. So just fast forward a bit. Once I got fired, I had to ask myself, do I want to go into trading? Because it was every time I thought about it, I'd get anxious. I'd be like, do I want to go back into that life? And I remember I took a break from trading, but I wanted to do something that was along the same line. So I actually learned to code. This is when I started learning Python, specifically machine learning. I got really into it. I did that for a year. And I'm, I was really proud. I got to a point where I got a job offer to be a quant, a junior quant trader. At the same time, coincidentally, uh, I remember speaking to my friend and I was telling her, look, like it's not going well. I'm applying all these jobs, etc." And she pushed me that day. I remember this. She pushed me and said, look, you need to like carry on applying. Don't give up right now. Like you're at the crux of it. And this was like a few months after COVID had happened. And when I went home and applied, I actually got another job offer to be a market maker at a bank, which is back in trading. Quant trading isn't really trading when you're uh, like a junior. I wanted to be trading. And so I had to decide between taking this quant job or this actual job as a trader on desk on the trade floor. And I took the, the, the trade floor job. The pay was horrendous. In London, it was only 25K a year. But when you're a junior trader, it's not about pay. Yeah. It's about experience. Yeah. And I decided to take that job. And uh, I did that for a year and it was fantastic. It was really good. Yeah. You know what you were saying about um, <clears throat> those, the four months you were at the, the first place you were working at. <clears throat> when obviously disaster hits and you're now covering, doing a lot more than the junior should be doing. Would you say that's fast tracking your your learning curve, and that's probably why you could go into this next job and actually perform to the level you were performing at? Um, I would. So generally speaking, yes to that advice. But for me, it wasn't. No, for me, it was in my first job. I didn't learn anything about being on desk. It was so cutthroat. It was not a learning environment. I would come in and get yelled at all day. Just I was called everything under the sun. Right. The biggest lesson I learned from that first job was to gain respect on the, on the floor. That's why I did so well in my, in my next trading job. Because my first job, I got run over. I was a kid out of uni, no stick to me. Yeah. And it was very easy to get pushed around. So in the second job, I learned that. That was the only thing I learned. All the trading and stuff, I had to learn on desk. There was nothing transferred from that first job because I was never trading. But there was a very important skill to gain respect on the trade floor especially when it's a, a trading floor, right? Got a lot of egos, etc. And uh, yeah, it was tough at first, but the difference was that um, I really enjoyed it here. Like you could tell the team cared. I got unlucky again because the senior I got put with was another cutthroat guy. Like he used to smash his, I remember he used to smash his keyboard next to me and uh, I'm not going to say who he is. He actually ended up getting fired and kicked out because no one liked working with him. All he did was bang the desk and swear and smash keyboards. And like, I had to work with him, right? <laughs> he was my senior, but bless that guy. Like as tough as he was, he truly cared about my learning. And whenever he would yell at me, it's just because he had anger issues or. or I remember you telling me there was a moment where they were being very, very tough on you. And then it got to a point where they essentially said, we've been doing this so we can trust you with the responsibility and not have to look over our shoulders and check up on you. Correct. So that's trading in, in, in a whole. Your only job as a tra junior trader is to make the life of your senior as easy as possible. That's your only job. Don't worry about trading. Don't worry about whatever. 
you, your aim is to gain trust. I was actually speaking to that Thai client the other day, this, uh, the, one of the co-founders, and I was actually speaking about this, this idea of trust. When you gain trust, it's a, it's a magnificent thing because that's when your, your next step uh, arrives. It's, when you gain trust, you can actually start trading other people's money. And when you start trading other people's money, you gain more trust, especially if you do a good job. And that's when you actually start your career as a trader is when you are managing other people's money. But to get there, you need the trust of your senior. And actually, on that topic, uh, so I actually quit this job a year in. I, I got my appraisal, which is where your head of trading sits you down and says what you're going to be paid the next year. Mm. And I was so happy with my appraisal because when, when I started as in 25, my appraisal was three times the amount. So you can imagine as a kid with no money in the bank, getting three times what I'm getting paid was just fantastic. I quit the next week and it was nothing to do with the money. That week before, what happened was it was me and that senior, just us two, really cutthroat guy. And we did really well that day, really well. And because it was just us two, he needed help running the book. So we were running the book together. It's very difficult to run alone. You need someone to help you. And he was just happy with the way I communicated, the way I did trades, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the day, he came to me. He, he bumped his belly into mine and said, Minesh, I trust you. That's, he said that. That's all he said is, Minesh, I trust you. To me, I've never been happier in my life. Forget the money, forget everything. All I wanted was the validation yeah. that someone trusts me. And remember, this is a bank. These are big books. For me to run a book, he said, I think you're ready. I quit the next week because that's all I wanted to hear. Mm. Coincidentally, actually, at the time when he said that, I got uh, I got DMs on LinkedIn. I got messages on LinkedIn by this company I work for now. They're a startup, you know, brand new crypto traders, blah, blah, blah. I remember you telling me you walked away from the bonus as well. Yes. You had to stay for a few more months. That was the, the most painful thing, yes. And you, you walked away because this offer you got or got headhunted for was... Well, what was it? So you're right. So my appraisal included that big bonus. And to me, that was life-changing money. Well, it's clearly got to be good enough for you to walk away from a freaking bonus. Yeah, it was big. In fact, the when I got approached by this current company, um, the, the, reason, the, the main conversation was I told them, look, I want to run a book. At the bank, the only issue was there's a queue. I could be there for years before I run a book. I told him I'm ready now. I want to do it now. I was very lucky because this company, this, this uh, they're based in LA. This, the CEO has been trading longer than I've been alive. Very successful guy, very successful. And he was running everything himself, trading-wise. And he just didn't want to do it. You know, he's done his thing. He's made his money. He's doing 16 hours a day trading. I told him, look, let me do it for you. If I join your company as the first trader, let me be under your wing. Let me learn from you. That's what I cared about was learning from traders. That's important. And I wanted to run the book. And he said, okay. They didn't offer me much money because it's a startup. Didn't have much of a bank account. This was before we did a, a fundraise. But I accepted it for the opportunity. And I went to my head of trading and I, at, my, at the, uh, the bank and said, can I speak to you? And I said, listen, I'm sorry, but I think I'm going to leave. And I saw his eyes. He was, he was visibly upset because he knows I was doing good and he knows the potential. And he said, Minish, if you walk away, you're not going to get any bonus. You're not going to get any appraisal. I said, I'm okay with that. Mm. And you have to remember, it's like my, my parents aren't rich. We don't really have money. That money was life-changing. It would have put my, paid off our mortgage and it would have done a lot. 
And so for me to walk away from that was a very, very big decision. Um, but I did it on the basis that I thought this opportunity at this American company would be bigger. In hindsight, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. I've never looked back, ever looked back. From my perspective, we were seeing each other maybe once or twice a year. Like we're both yeah. quite busy with work, so we don't really have the opportunity to to sit down and talk about things. Um, but when I saw you after you moved to this company you're currently at, your entire the Demeanor. way you were the was just completely different. different yeah. You had a sense of responsibility, the way you were talking, the way you were carrying things. Mm. So now that you're saying I'm now hiring juniors and I'm interviewing people, mm. I can fully see how you've I don't want to say fast tracked, but you've got yourself to the level to now be talking with so much authority and confidence yeah. to get all these investors on board and then actually run your own book. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I got very lucky because when I joined the startup, there was no protocol. There was no system on how things should work. It's a startup, right? Everyone's in a business to grow the business. And if you need something done, you have to go do it. I learned that's the type of environment I thrive in. And even at the bank, I tried to do this. I tried to write code and say, let's automate this. But I just kept getting rejected and saying, no, focus on trading. At this startup, at the end of the day, just bring value. Just do anything to bring value, money, no money, whatever. And uh, that's just what I did. And I, it just kept working. I just kept making decisions that kept providing value. And that translated to getting more trust. And it got to a point where the CEO just trusted me. He just fully trusted me. I, I wasn't even reporting to him at one point. I, you know, pretty much even to this day, he just, he really trusts me. And it's, it's such a good feeling because when you have that level of trust, you can truly do what you want, right? If you think this avenue of business is great, let me give it a go, have these phone calls, I just go do it. Um, so I got very lucky. That allowed me to fast track my ability to make these decisions and whatnot because early on, when I started making decisions and they went well, they're, they're not going to stop you. They're not going to say, don't do this, don't do that. And it got to a point where I had such a good understanding of our product, of, of the actual service we sold, which is market making, where I was now closing client, uh, closing deals with clients. Mm-hmm. I was negotiating these deals and I was going out my way to find these clients. I, I wasn't just focusing on trading. And I think it's just been exponentially compounding and it's it, man, it's been a blessing. It's been a you blessing. can really see um, passion. I don't know if that's the right mm. word, but you fully understand what you're you're offering, your product, your value, your you're offering to these clients. When I was listening into your call, I could see the conviction in which you were communicating with the clients, and I thought, you know, this is a different level. You go from like working for a company, mm. kind of figuring out what the script is and then prospecting and then when you're doing a demo or you're you're trying to sell it to to a client you're kind of just going through the tick boxes of this and that but it's rare to find someone who's so passionate about what it is they're saying and i think that comes across completely yeah i'll tell you why um my role is head of trading even though i'm finding and closing clients which is more of a like a business development role I always say this at work as a joke. I, I say this to my CEO, CFO. I say, don't call me BD. I'm not BD. I am a trader. And this is why I find it so fun to, to sell to clients on calls and why I'm so passionate is because at the end of the day, I'm just talking about trading. 
And for me, I had to learn this from scratch. I didn't really have anyone train me how to do sales, etc. But what I've learned that works is for me, when I speak to these clients, I'm not just going to throw them what our service is. Yeah. I ask them first, why do they want to speak to me in the first place as a market maker? Where has that combo come up in your company? Why have you decided to initiate that combo? And what are you looking for in a market maker? What are you looking for for us to provide you as a service? And then because I understand our product so well, I can really tailor our product and, and you know let them know this is how we can help. This is what we can do. At the end of the day, when you're on these business calls, um, both parties have to walk away like they gave something, right? Yeah. Because if you're just trying to sell, sell, sell to a client, especially in this industry where things are expensive, it's not good. Clients are just going to forget you and say, nah, you're just trying to scound our money. But what I like to do is really show the client why it's beneficial for them, how they can make the money back. And I'll give them a few cases uh, um, of, of previous clients where we've made a lot of money for them, etc. I try to be their friend. I really try not come off as a sales guy. I try to really understand their issue, their problems, and how I can help. And in the nature of, of this industry, the crypto space, it's a rare thing to actually not lose money, right? I mean, mm. That was a big selling Correct. point for you, was that we haven't lost money for our clients. Yeah, and you know, take that with a grain of salt. It depends on market conditions, but um, it's true. Look, this past year, maybe year and a half, last three months have been good, has been a bear market. The price has just been going down, etc. Typically, when prices are going down as a market maker, you're going to lose money because you're buying on the way down. The market sells into you, you, you tend to be exit liquidity. We've done a really good job in protecting funds for clients. And a lot of these clients, remember, are going bankrupt. There was a point in the, in the market where everyone's just printing money. And then next thing you know, everyone's just losing money. Crypto is very, um, it has a lot of similar traits to traditional markets. However, the swings tend to be a lot more exaggerated. If you look at, I don't know. Uh, but that's perfect for a trader, right? The volatility. Yeah, it can and can't be. It's perfect maybe for a trader that thrives in that environment. But before I'm a trader, you know, we're a company. Mm. And that's not good for a company. Because no business happens. When everything's just tanking really hard. And remember, people are losing their children's inheritance. You know, money is being thrown out the door at vicious rates and no one wants to do business. And it's this perpetual cycle, right? It's quite, it's quite a depressing period. So it's actually really bad for the company because the company loses money. We lose clients, we lose investors, and it's just this downward spiral. But yeah, definitely a tough period. Mm. You're, you're quite heavily invested in this crypto space, right? Mm. Why do you think this is you know, something for you to have invested your time, your energy, your quite literally your career? Yeah, I'm towards. all in. Yeah, it's good. I get this question a lot. It's, it's really good because, look, at the end of the day, cryptocurrency is a very nascent market. It's very young. Uh, it's maybe, I don't know, right now I'm sitting at a trillion dollar market cap, which is very small in the grand. It's very, very small. It's not that much. What's gold? Under 20 trillion or very small, um, very small market. So as a trader, the reason I picked cryptocurrency is because of the opportunities. It's a lot easier to identify opportunities in crypto. Mm -hmm. In traditional markets, it's a lot harder. Some of these exchanges have been operating for centuries, centuries. 
who are you to come along and find the new edge? That's what it's about, finding an edge. And crypto edges are everywhere. You have kids, 14, 15, 16, discovering edges and making so much money, right? Like genuinely making good money, not just betting randomly and getting lucky, like really, really smart kids who are, who are putting themselves in a way of finding these things. And I think that's what crypto offers. Me personally, what I mentioned earlier about crypto markets having these huge exagger exaggerated moves, that's why I'm in crypto. If this works well, L let me put it like this. I wake up and believe I'm going to be successful. I, I like this idea of manifesting. Yeah. If I worked in traditional finance, traditional markets, let's say equities or something, and I'm successful, don't get me wrong, good life, good money, etc. If I believe I'm going to be successful in crypto, it's going to be ludicrous. Yeah. Because it's just, it, again, it's, it's like traditional markets, but exaggerated. Things can go really exponential. All you need is one good break and you're sorted. And for me, I learned that early on and I told myself the only, the best way to really understand this market and to find these opportunities is to work in it. And that I got lucky enough, found a job and I decided to, to move into it full time. That's yeah, true. That's true. How long have you been doing this for? So I've been trading crypto for, I would say six years. Six, seven years, maybe six. I've been doing it like an actual profession for two years, about two, two years and a month now. How has your confidence changed? Uh, in, in what sense? Like in, trading? In the or... crypto space. Has it increased? Has it? As a market? Yeah. Look, I'm, you know, when I was at that uh, oil trading firm, I went to my senior and this has stuck with me the whole time. I asked him, um, why do you like trading oil? Why, why oil? Mm. And what he said to me, like I said, has, has stuck with me to this day. He said, Minash, I don't care about oil. It's all ABCs to me. I care about trading. That's what I want. And as much as I am invested and truly passionate about cryptocurrencies, at the end of the day, as a trader, it's all ABCs to me. Your job as a trader is to find opportunity and edge, right? Crypto is just a... Uh, it's uh it's where a, the activity is yeah it's a lot of activity and one thing i would say whether you like what is blockchain stuff or not because you got a lot of uh, skeptics in this market who say forget cryptocurrencies it's still a scam etc i don't look at it like that i look at it in terms of opportunity look at the amount of banks and institutions getting involved you've got companies like vanguard and blackrock filing for etfs you know how crazy that is even if you don't believe in the industry it doesn't matter what your belief is. It matters about the facts that are currently happening. If a company like BlackRock is filing for a spot ETF, you cannot deny that there is traction in the market. It will be, it's absolutely arrogant to deny that. Mm -hmm. Even if you hate cryptocurrencies or you got scammed or whatnot, it is terrible to believe that there is no market. And so I work under the premise of if all these institutions and companies and big names and billionaires are getting involved in this space, there is something out it there. Validates it. it completely validates it. Even if you or I don't see it, mm -hmm. these big players do, and that's all that matters. It's institutions that run this market, any market the same. And that's why I personally am staying around is because as, as a market as young as, as 10 years old, maybe 11, what, uh, when, when was, when was the white paper? 2007, 2009? I can't remember. Very, very young market. Very. Yes. Anytime my, my Bitcoin investment fluctuates a little bit. I'm always hitting you up. Wait, Minash. I get that a lot. I, I do get it a lot. I get people mess. The, the, the biggest one all the, the whole time is Minash, what do I buy? What's the best thing to buy? I get that a lot. You know. So I think 
another big thing I've realized since being here the last two weeks, the conversation has changed a bit. Where now we're discussing how to actually fund, how how to fundraise.、Mm. And I think that is a big indication that your mindset is also going to a completely new,、yes. way bigger level, as well. That's that's very interesting from my perspective because I, I take a lot of inspiration seeing how you've taken on the responsibility of being、mm. the head of trading at this company, and just seeing how you're now a lot more motivated to go into this space. I think is. The potential is is massive. Yeah, I, I, look, I was quite lucky in this job. Look, forget my role as head of trading. At the end of the day, I'm in the business to grow the business. That's my role. So I've been very fortunate and been able to go into many different skews over time while keeping trading as part as my core responsibility. You know, I've dived into the, the legal side, operations, business development, client management. Etc. Right. When you're running, when you're help running a company, it's like you have to do all these things. The one area I haven't actually had、um, involvement in is fundraising, because when I joined, the company was just finishing their A round,、um, and I right now I'm trying to learn how to fundraise. And I've been speaking to a lot of people, a lot of big people who have raised money.、Um, one client I I found and closed are based in Indonesia, and.、Uh, They raised 150 million, right? And I remember I was speaking to their co-founders and and their CFO, and it was such a lucky time for me because these are the guys who pitched to these investors they, that they were raising 150 mil. These were the guys who did it, and I get to be in front of them asking questions. To me, that was it was golden. Yeah. And I I remember sitting down with the CFO, just asking him all these questions, and like bless him, he was so happy to help. You tell how serious these guys were, and I told him the same thing we're talking about now. I've never had experience fundraising. Yes, a big part of it is timing the market. Right now, it's a lot harder to raise money. Big props to any company that raises money in this environment. Very, very hard. You've got to take down rounds, or very stressful. But let me say this, and I don't want to say this arrogantly because I haven't actually raised money. There is a time in the market where things are going euphoric in a bull market. Let's say like post COVID when things were going crazy. These VCs and investors, they have a mandate to invest money. They do. Maybe you have this company who has twenty million to invest in in a range of companies. They have they have a mandate to to hit. They have to invest money, right? So it's about convincing these guys why they believe you should be the one they invest money with. So、uh, again, I don't want to be arrogant when I say this. I think I would be able to raise money maybe in a different market environment when things are moving a lot more friendlier and. It's a lot easier to raise money, and don't get me wrong. And there's more incentive. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 look, don't get me wrong. You, you have to be in a position where you have a company to do that. I don't have that right now. You know, I mean, maybe at this current company, maybe when we do a B round, I'm going to get involved. But if I were to do it on my own, so one thing I've been consciously aware of when I meet these clients and, and these high, high caliber level of people is I let them know that one day I may want to raise money. No, because even if I say it as a joke. At the end of the day, I'm selling myself as a person, like as a brand, like Minash, the brand Minash. Yeah. I want these people to believe in me, right? It's like if I leave the current company I work for, I want these people to still come with me. That is who I am selling, right? And、uh, I'm just consciously aware of how I come across to certain people, 
And some of these people look have very deep pockets, and I just want to make sure they they know who I am. The connections as well. Yeah, and if it goes yeah. nowhere, it goes nowhere. But what I have learned these last two years is that the world works in funny ways. You never know what happens. You never know. You will come across these people. You will cross paths, and next thing you know, they're writing you a check for a mill. You know, so it's it's yeah, it's definitely something to keep aware of. Assembling the Avengers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is definitely one for the future, but. Yeah, I mean, you're. Yeah, you've you've inspired me massively. I think we've had a lot of very very interesting conversations over the last two weeks. Thank you. I appreciate you sitting down and and doing this podcast. It's、uh, finally happened. Finally happened. But this the, the last two weeks honestly has gone by so so fast. Very fast. So、yeah. fast. But I've enjoyed myself. Thank you for having me. Absolutely,、um, and I appreciate you doing this, brother. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you Cheers, bro.